Castian. It's dark. It's dark. It doesn't smell very good. It's noisy. You hear the sound of machines working, pummeling stone, breaking it down, extracting the precious ores from the detritus of the asteroid. There's not only the sound of the machines, but there's the sound of suffering. You hear the cries, the groans, the grunts of creatures that are being worked to their breaking point and beyond. My character is probably at this point 12, wearing meager clothing, rags at best. It looks like they maybe used to be a, a child's kind of uniform, like a flight uniform for a child, but they've just been there. That was probably a half a century ago. And so there are, there are multiple cuts that have been sealed with sealant over and over again. Uh, probably used to be a bright blue, but now it's just all color and dye has weighed off to a dull, sickening yellow. And that's mostly from the collection of dust that is collected this entire time. And my character is, he's been summoned and he is quickly trying to make his way towards uh, whoever's summoned him. And it is the the foreman of the mines. Foreman is a generous term. It's the polite term for what you would call colloquially a slave master. And uh, I make sure to, uh, I, when I eventually uh, meet up with his goons, they grab me by the shoulders and pull me towards him. Uh, his goons are mostly just made up of more slaves who have just basically made the deal of we will be hired muscle for you as long as we get extra food. Mm -hmm. And they throw me down in front of him and my character makes sure not to look him in the eye. My, he doesn't like being looked in the eye. Uh, I'm here. Hi. I'm, yes. Maxis is a Nikto. He is reptilian. He has cold black eyes and he is giant. 10, 12 feet tall? At least in the mind of a 12-year-old. My character uh, doesn't doesn't even bother looking at, trying to look at his face. I mean, honestly, Nikto, he, uh, Maximus, has never said that you're not uh, looking him in the eyes, but my character just makes him, that's kind of his conscious choice. He looks at Maximus' boots and says, well, I'm here, yes. Get down in the pit. What's the pit look like? The pit is a place where you know that most people don't come back from. It is a small opening in the asteroid, three, four feet across, uh, really too small for somebody like Maximus to fit in himself or somebody of that, that size. Oh, so An adult. So. Yes, an adult. And it leads to the, the farthest recesses of the mines, places where they've barely even mapped, but are sure that there's more places to eke out some meager ore. My character immediately uh, stiffens up and he kind of crawls away from the, the pit, as they call it. And my character's like, uh, I, I thought that we, we send dro uh, there's droids. We would we, we do droids. Today it's your turn. No, 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 no. And I feel hands. And probably in a re reality, there's not as many hands, but I just feel like as if there's hundreds of hands grabbing me and ripping me towards the hole. And as much as I fight, I can't get away and I'm thrown into this darkness of the pit. You're, as you're, you're thrown, you fall and fall and fall for what feels like hours. And I immediately shoot up from bed, gasping for air. Computer, immediately turn on the lights. And the lights all come up. <laughs> and my Full illumination. My character uh, sucks in breath, Castian, the, uh, our Inquisitor, Saya. 
laying in a bed, a very nice bed, but clearly a bed that's more for show. It's not you probably that hasn't been slept in more than like a few times in a year. He pushes away the uh, black covers and immediately stands up, uh, moving towards the window in order to uh, force it open a little bit in order to get some air from the. Uh, I think it did I say the federal district yes, or the, the financial financial district? Oh, you said fi- you said federal earlier. Oh, it's the federal district of Coruscant. And uh, I push open the window. The city that never sleeps. The noise coming in immediately, showing how well these <laughs> these windows actually block noise. And I just sit there gasping for air as I feel the cold, non-asteroid humid air against my face. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I roll my shoulders back and I look towards the chronometer. How close is it until I have to be going towards to work? <laughs> it is quite early in the morning still. The sun has barely risen. You probably have a good three hours before anyone would be uh, really alert and active and, and beginning the work day back at the Inquisitor's headquarters. Or is the, the Security Council? It's the uh, the ISB, the Intelligence Service Bureau or something like that, Imperial Service Bureau or ISB headquarters. Okay. So it's a couple hours before anybody is really getting the day started at ISB headquarters. On the other hand, uh, in the city that never sleeps, a secret intelligence operation is definitely going to have people working at all hours as well. I kind of move towards the uh, the refresher, and I, it's a very nice refresher. Very large hydro shower. It's not like a sonic shower. Marble. It's this this apartment is an extremely nice, especially it's extremely nice in like one of the nicest areas of Croissant, but it's very dead. There's not a lot of no one could really come in here and look around and say I know exactly what this person's like, other than this guy doesn't really live here. There's no memorabilia, uh, even like his toothbrush and deodorant, all that stuff, whatever, Star Wars deodorant. It's all kind of laid out. He's like from the night before on like a, a towel, something that he easily rolls up and puts in a bag if he has to leave. It's all very contained and organized. And he thinks for a second to go to the refresher, but opts to just splash water on his face, combing his hair uh, to the side, looking into the mirror and as he catches his face. And he sees that he's afraid still, that that his face is a lot more pale, especially for a pale guy like him. And he snarls at it and squeezes the marble and suddenly the uh, the mirror like cracks down the middle and he pushes off, annoyed. And as soon as he turns back towards the camera, that fear and anxiety and panic, it's all replaced with a cold mask of emotionlessness. There's no emotion in his face. The Jedi would be proud. But he's just, uh, it's very cold as he walks and gets dressed. And he, he's heading to work three hours early. All right. What do you do when you get to work? What does Inquisitor Saya do on days that he has not been summoned to his, his ship to go investigate the mysteries of the galaxy? Well, there's a couple things that he could do. There is a place for Inquisitors to kind of practice, though Inquisitors are very careful not to practice too hard with their saber and their abilities because the last thing you want is to become too powerful or to show too much skill because those uh, if they're not promoted to high inquisitors those people tend to just they go to tahiti (laughs) they don't come back we all know what happens there's also a fair amount of competition between inquisitors as well and you don't want your closest competition to know your skills absolutely but it's but you're also it's also a balancing game you're you're not supposed to 
be there too often, but if you're not there enough, people start thinking you're weak. So the first thing my character would do is he would spend, especially since he's getting there early, he's going to spend his three hours just there warming up, running laps, lifting, doing a lot of balancing, practicing his force jumps from platform to platform, just basically getting his body ready. And that's what he'll be doing uh, for the first couple hours. And afterwards, if he doesn't have a mission, what he does is uh, the Intelligence Bureau collects information from concerned citizens, reports, anything that's marked as weird. And then they kind of uh, shuffle that through and say, okay, what's not batshit crazy, but does sound peculiar. And I get that list and then I look through it. If I see anything that's kind of interesting, such as, hey, there's this myth about some dark lady in the forest or something like that. I might pass that on to uh, Tremaine. Tremaine will look at it, and if he feels that it's worth anybody's time, he will either bring that up to uh, the uh, head inquisitor, or he will, he will make a choice to send me somewhere on his own. He doesn't have to actually get an okay, but if it's something larger, if it's like a Jedi Grandmaster, he's supposed to send that, basically. That's supposed to move up the chain to mm. Vader. Ooh. Dun, dun, dun. No, to the headmaster who sent it to Vader and the Emperor. For now, my character is just going to go... Uh, to the gym and he's going to be uh, practicing uh, with a, a practice saber yeah give me a roll with let's see it would be with melee there's no difficulty to this this is just to see how well your practice goes i am not very good at melee <laughs> i'm very good at lightsabers oh, well, so i if it's a practice saber is this one of the ones that has just the light emitting crystal so it can't hurt anybody yeah it's okay, it's basically the, it's a very low powered lightsaber if there's such a way the crystal yes there, can't really cut through people it is it is a training lightsaber it's what they the the jedi gave to to younglings so no purple dice for this this is just how well does your practice go two successes and three advantages oh very nice as you are going through your forms you know it's almost like a, a martial arts almost like tai chi where there's a series of poses and, and forms that you run through to keep yourself limber and you channel your your energy and the force. And as you uh, are running through the, the final sequence, you look up and the ninth sister is at the entrance to the, the workout area. Like, what does the ninth sister look like? Uh, the ninth sister is a human woman. She's on the tall side, uh, has blonde hair and very muscular with imposing, striking features, high cheekbones, very dark eyes, uh, and an aquiline nose. My character acknowledges her just kind of with a glance, and then he turns back towards the training droids, and he's like going through the training droids. Uh, some Inquisitors, they actually use their lightsaber during this, but not my, my character never destroys the droids. Doesn't see a point. Care to spar? My character straightens up his back and then slowly turns his head. Of course, he turns towards her, then holds up the training blade. I assume with something a little bit more deadlier. Challenger's choice. He knows what she wants. She loves a lightsaber. She's very vicious. But my character moves and grabs a training saber and tosses it her way. And roll perception for me. This will be two purples and a red. Ooh. Because you are up against one of her skills. Of course. She's stupid. Because in the last week, Angela has figured out how to do opposed roles. Wow, I got one victory, one success. One success, great. No advantages, but one success. As you toss the training saber to her, you see she's annoyed. You definitely, you read the situation correctly. She wanted to use something more deadly. 
and you chose poorly. You chose poorly. I start doing disintegrate. <laughs> so roll me your lightsaber. This is going to be two reds and a purple. And I got three successes, but two disadvantages. All right. So you go through the sparring match and you definitely, with three successes, you definitely best her. Uh, may I? Yes. I best her absolutely. At the very end, I uh, knock her blade out of the way. But as I'm spinning around to do the uh, finishing blow, she actually throws a knee into my groin, a punch into my nose. And of course, I, I'm able to reconcile and spin and get her like my blade against her throat to win the match but she's coming out of this without a scratch on her and my nose is clearly broken and my character is just breathing with blood caking down his face ahem ahem my character turns looks over his shoulder and at the sound of the the throat being cleared you look over again to the entrance to the workout area and you see high inquisitor tremaine I immediately lower the blade to my side and bow my head respectfully. Uh, does the ninth sister follow suit? She does. She does. Because even though, as we've established, you are Tremaine is your mentor, but he is still higher ranking than yes. her in the organization. Mm -hmm. So even though they by no means have a close personal relationship, you you still show deference to your, your captain, yes. your commander. Yes. Yeah, but we, uh, we both do blood dribbling down on the mat in front of me. I look very annoyed and I, I, I straighten up. And I guess what this would kind of mean is if I'm trying to do any emotional, powerful pleas to Tremaine, I'd get a disadvantage because my nose is broken. Mm -hmm. Cool. Okay. That's, I'm just trying to understand the disadvantage situation. Like yeah. I, yeah. So that's, that is how, how threats work that yes, you succeeded, but some bad things happened to you. And I, for a, a match like this, Literally getting your nose bloodied seems like a totally fair mm -hmm. threat. And also, of course, being shown up in front of your mentor. I won. Yes. <laughs> but she, I think she knew I was going to win. So she just wanted to make sure I didn't look like I won. <laughs> getting in our exercises early this morning, I see. Yes, hi, Lord. Clean yourself up, 10th brother. My character bites the inside of his cheek, shoots a glance toward the ninth sister, who probably looks smug as shit. Oh, absolutely. Because no one saw the win it, me, me win. They saw the result. My character is like, absolutely, high inquisitor terrain. And I turn on my heels and I'm moving back toward like a refresher. Mm -hmm. uh, and they have some, like, they have a medical kit there. And there's like some Omni gel and stuff that I put around my nose that kind of reduces a lot of the bruising. But not the best equipment in this because a lot of the inquisitors like to see who got their ass kicked so my nose is not going to need like surgery or anything like that but it's going to be kind of bruised yep, along it's the sides. tender I, for a, a day and i'm going to have raccoon eyes <laughs> and uh, I'll, I'll i'll leave and uh, find tremaine afterwards he what he and the the ninth sister were were talking it judging from their their postures you're crossing the workout area it seems like a very formal conversation not it's formal as in it is a commander speaking to someone who is below him in the hierarchy, but it's otherwise very, as you get closer, you can tell it's very surface level. How is Inquisitor Brandel, who is her mentor, discussing things like, like that, her most recent mission? Did it go well? Yes, of course it did. Exchanging militaristic pleasantries. And how long has it been since I brought in the Athorian? It has been one week. 
my character approaches and just straight, you know, straight shoulders, bows his head. I'm glad you were able to join us at the tail end of my victory. Tremaine kind of looks down his nose at you because as we've established, he's also quite tall. And he just says, yes, it is always a joy to see. Come with me. Yes. Ninth sister. He nods as he departs from her. I and shoot her like a very angry, annoyed look. She got under my skin this time. And then I drop my training saber on the ground. She gets to pick it up. She won't, but whatever. And I'm just <laughs> walking away. And uh, yeah, I'm on, uh, I'm on uh, Tremaine's heels. And Tremaine leads you back to his office, which we established last time is a very large and imposing space filled with macabre paintings. And uh, Tremaine indicates that you should take a seat and he moves behind his desk as well. Take a seat. He looks over. He's got some some data pads and a, a computer terminal up. So he just takes a couple of minutes reviewing the digital paperwork that is on his desk, leaving you to to stew. Yep. And I uh, sit there uh, and he also has this very annoying thing. He reaches out and he's and it's basically those swinging balls. Yes. And my character, you know, at first my character is just staring at him. Then he slowly starts his eyes drift towards the uh, whatever they're called on. The iron, the, the iron swinging balls. <laughs> yeah, as they're clicking together, kind of fades a little bit around him. The audio, as he kind of, it starts taking on a more like pa- uh, pickaxe hit rock mm-hmm. sound to him, and he's just kind of watching it more and more until he's like snapped out of his daydream. As uh, Tremaine starts speaking, letting our mind wander this morning, I see. Sorry, uh, hi, Inquisitor Tremaine. I, I am here. She got under your skin more than usual. The ninth sister, yes. Uh, Yes. You need to keep your focus, especially around someone who wears the same uniform. Absolutely, High Inquisitor Tremaine. Uh, It won't happen again, sir. Good. I will not be embarrassed by you. That is the last thing that will ever occur. I have an update for you from your... The guest that you brought us. She has survived interrogation this long. She has. She has given us some very interesting information. Unfortunately, it is information that has, while interesting and perhaps long term is useful, in the immediate term has been less so. She gave up the name not only of Knight Jalar Kita, but she also told us the information about the rebel base that was in that sector of space. She's been communicating with rebels. It was always known to be a possibility. After all, no matter how self-sufficient the Athorian may be, no one survives that long without any sort of contact with the outside galaxy. I nod my head, taking it all in, thinking it over. And I kind of, I'm kind of like uh, wrinkling my nose in annoyance uh, as I realized the field that the uh, we had found the broken ship a lot around it. There, it was an open field in the jungle, which means that other ships had landed there before. And I kind of just like cursing myself for not picking that up. And I think Tremaine is kind of speaking in a way that says like, wow, you didn't think of that, you know? <laughs> Open field in the middle of a jungle. You didn't think that there was other ships that contain- continuously landing there. My character nods his head. Yes, absolutely. That makes sense. Uh, she needed supplies on occasion, I'm sure. We found the base, and it was destroyed, of course. But it was abandoned before our forces reached it. A warning was given to the rebels. Perhaps 
it was deserted long before our arrival. From the analysis of the rubble, that seems unlikely. Roll me some kind of lore or intelligence, uh, basically trying to jog your memory. Uh, yeah, I guess I'm going to just roll my intellect. Yeah. Or do you want, maybe it's cool or vigilance? Oh, let's go with vigilance. That seems reasonable. Wow, that's good. A success, a triumph, and a advantage. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yes. Uh, well, actually, because I didn't give you any negatives to that, did I? By all means, throw some negatives in there. One purple. Can we just take, because what it does is I just said roll the run purple and it negated from yeah. what I had. So, yeah, it's uh, one success and one uh, triumph. Still. Okay. Yeah, Took so, away my advantage. <laughs> Darn. You still have a triumph, though. You do remember that dirge that the Athorian had been singing as you were leaving the, the planet or the moon. Mm-hmm. And considering that she is a rather powerful Jedi, uh, trained in the Jedi Academy long before uh, Order 66 was released, it's certainly possible that... She was not only mourning the loss of, of her home, but she was embedding some sort of force communication uh, and, and reaching out through the force to give a warning to anybody in that sector. She might have, I pause as I'm biting my words, realizing I should have stopped her from singing, but never holding it back information. She did a dirge on our uh, liftoff. I, it could have been to mask a uh, communication of some sort of... She is a very powerful Jedi, and being surrounded by nature, perhaps she tapped into that power to push her communication to somewhere in the sector. And you allowed this to happen? I open my mouth and just close it. <laughs> and then seeing that he's not going to let that go, I open my mouth again and try. At the time, I felt that... In the order of compliance, it was best to let her mourn her departure. Well, I hope you don't allow any such weaknesses to get in the way of your next assignment. No, uh, no, Lord. Uh, No, sir. I have a smuggling operation I need you to investigate. A a smuggling operation? uh, But you said she gave you information on Knight Kita. Yes, she gave us the name. We had assumed that he would perhaps be at that outpost. However, there was no sign of anyone he could tell that i'm it i'm not i am not looking for a smuggling operation but i knowing that i've already screwed up enough i uh, swallow my pride and say this operation uh, smuggling what is it we have reports of jedi he, he kind of like swallows the the term we have reports of jedi artifacts being smuggled on sakura Artifacts. Yes. Interesting. I hold out my hand for the data card. And he hands it over. Cool. I turned around and I, instead of asking him 20 questions, I'm just going to run, like, skim it quickly to see kind of like what artifacts, if they're holocrons or if they're just busts of, if it's a powerful artifact or, uh, or if it's just kind of like, oh, it's memory. It's, 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 it's historical instead of powerful. So what kind of artifact are we looking at? All right, I misspoke. It was Socorro. Okay. So many vowels. No, that, that's totally fine. And the... You said the Corellian translation. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yes, that's, that is the excuse that we will, that we will give. 
there's a, a smuggling operation on the planet of Socorro. Uh, it seems to be dealing in high-level Jedi artifacts. So far, things have been traced, including holocrons, as well as a smattering of other artifacts. Uh, it seems that the artifacts are coming from all across the galaxy. Mm-hmm. Is um, there is there was a Jedi temple on the the planet, but the Emperor had it eliminated uh, not too many years ago. But the just the the ages of the artifacts that have been recovered and the style of them indicate that these aren't all coming from, say, scavengers oh. on the planet. So a lot of people are grabbing artifacts, and this is kind of like a hub, maybe like a black market hub mm-hmm. of where you would go for yes. these artifacts. Interesting. Okay. Yes. Yes. So far, they've been able to identify the smuggler Mia Hanika, seems to be the, the person in charge. There's a scant dossier on her. She's a human female smuggler, uh, has some uh, records of, of petty crimes, uh, you know, some mild spice possession without intent to sell and things like that. This this definitely seems higher level than what she's been busted for in the past. On the other hand, that dossier is extremely thin. It doesn't have any information about where she comes from or, or really many known associates. So... Perhaps this has been falsified in in some way, or or her records have been sealed or expunged. And will I be having the might of the Imperial Navy behind me, or is this more of a solo mission, or is this more of a solo shot? But um, as we do not know how much of her product she has on hand, the intelligence bureau believes that it is best to go in subtly. Yes, sir. I will make sure to drop by uh, Section 8 to pick up an appropriate garb for this sort of mission. We do have a comm channel to reach out to the smugglers through multiple relays, of course, and, and intermediaries. But if you wish to arrange some kind of meeting, we have the resources available to set up something like that. Excellent. And I would probably need to borrow a YT-13 or one of the old YT classes. Showing up in the pacifier is probably unwise since it is an Imperial ship. Of course. Whatever you need. Fantastic. Uh, I believe the best way to uh, be brought in on this little party is to offer uh, an artifact of my own. I know the Ithorian, she had a lightsaber. It's, it's an antique, surly. It's not working, but it probably would pick up some credits or pick up some interest at least. Agreed. Fantastic. So I'll have the intelligence uh, doctor some papers over it, and I will get my crew set up for in... Oh, let's go with the uh, YT-13. Agreed. Is there anything else, sir? No. I won't let you down. And I turn and I on my heels and just start walking, gripping the data pad tightly. I'm slightly annoyed. I don't want to be doing this when I know uh, Kida is out there. Mm-hmm. But... Swallow my pride, and I'm moving forward. As soon as I leave his office, I am sending a calm message to Laris. Yes. Laris, I need you to meet me in Section 8, Building 4 of the Intelligence Center. Of course. And bring bones. Of course. Thank you. And I'm moving towards the uh, turbo lift and taking it. Basically, we're going to a big costume shop of just various kinds of items that... Uh, some have been picked up, some have been designed, um, but basically we're trying to dress ourselves up as a smuggling group. And also uh, Bones is getting, uh, they're kind of just mucking him up, you know, nothing, you know, they're changing his serial numbers, basically enough to prove that he's not an Imperial droid. And they're also making him look a little more, more dingy, which he doesn't like. He keeps on like beeping at me and I'm just holding up my hand. It's only temporary. 
And uh, by the end of it, I'm I'm just basically I'm wearing kind of a leather jacket made of probably a Nerf hide, a overly glimmery shirt underneath, and just red striped pants. We mm-hmm. are ready to go. Larith, uh, she stands still as a mannequin as the agents buzz around her, selecting an appropriate outfit for her. She, of course, is not very picky and quickly outfitted in a pair of, of plain brown slacks and a, uh, a beige blouse. Uh, as she's getting dressed, I turn towards her, and she's wearing some undergarments that are appropriate for the Imperial Navy. But I noticed, like, I know that she had the cybernetics on her head. Mm-hmm. On her head, she's bald and she has that cybernetic head implant. But I see that there's like a scar running down the back of her neck towards her spine, like travels down her spine and kind of snakes out. And I kind of can't in my head as I basically looks like her body's definitely been cut open and stuff has been added. There's more cybernetics than I see. Mm-hmm. And but I'm I just wait till she's done. And uh, when she does, she turns towards me and I, I hold up a blaster pistol and drop it into the hos- a holster. And then I toss her one. And she she grabs it again. The, the economy of movement on this woman is is impressive. The, the blaster is coming towards her, and she moves her hand at the very last second to be exactly where the blaster is, and she catches it easily. Fantastic! Do you have much time uh, behind a YT series? I have enough. You'll be piloting bones. Come along, and we are moving towards the launch pad or the ship pad. Mm-hmm. Is there anything else you want to check out while you are are here? You know that, for example, the Athorian name dropped Knight Kita. Not- could I get into the interrogation room or has that been kind of sealed for higher ups? It's not been sealed. There's certainly a guard there at all times. You could try to get past there or you could see if there is anything in the, the data logs. Oh, I'll try to get her interrogations. Mm-hmm. Eh, probably wouldn't be. I, I asked Laris to see what she can do and I kind of... I don't tell her to slice into the system because that would be illegal, but I use very obvious terms of, you know, be, be subtle in your search and see what you can find for me. I will uh, meet you on the ship. Yes. And uh, I'm actually going to the interrogation, uh, the, the holding cells, which is uh, deep into like we, you take a turbo lift and you just keep on going down and down and down for a long time. Okay. That was me uh, rolling for, for Laris. Laris's not not slicing, but slicing, and she learns nothing. Cool. Yeah, I'm basically going down like 50, 60 floors into the sub base, sub 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 basement to where the holding cells are. Mm-hmm. Uh, most of them are usually empty. Honestly, they people don't usually stay here long. We got a couple uh, people who've been here for a while, but mostly those. It's basically one prisoner per wing at this point. And I'm moving towards uh, the two guards that are guarding uh, a wing. Uh, each wing has its own guard, but a lot of the wings are already uh, empty. It's just kind of standard. But I, I assume she's this way because there's two. And I step towards them. So you approach the two stormtroopers who they've, you know, they've been a little relaxed because there's really nobody down there to, to watch them. But as soon as they hear your footsteps, you see them jump up to attention. I don't even stop to say hello or acknowledge them. I'm just... My goal is just to walk straight past them as cool as a cucumber. I'm supposed to be here. Sir, Can I roll my cool? Uh, I'd actually uh, say it's deception. Cool. <laughs> I don't have much in that. And it's going to be eh, just two purples. They're stormtroopers. They're stormtroopers. Actually, I have stormtrooper stats. 
Yeah, we'll st- yeah we'll stick with the two two purple. Two successes. Uh, so you see these stormtroopers, uh, you know, after they've they've kind of jumped up to attention, and you're just walking towards them, not saying anything, and they try to like you know, ra- they're they're raising their weapons, not in a we're pointing them at you way, but in a we're we are ready to point them way. Yeah. Uh, but as you just keep walking with very clear purpose, they they eventually step aside at the last minute. And I just keep on walking and I'd let out a breath. Uh, Tremaine taught me that trick and I'm just moving towards, and there's actually a couple more guards on the way, but once you make it past the first one, they assume that you're supposed to be here unless there's like people dead. So mm-hmm. since there's no alarm bells and they clearly could see the other one, just kind of peeking their head around the corner, I just keep on walking past them until I get towards the, uh, the last, the last holding cell, which is a force field that is in place. Mm-hmm. And the cell is is small, 10 feet by 15 feet. Mm-hmm. And uh, there is a cot that is bolted to the back wall. There is a small corner where refresher needs are, but there's no privacy. And uh, it, it is a, a cell that is designed, uh, as you said, for transients. It's not a place where you are expected to set up home. Mm-hmm. And in the back corner you see Mudonin, the Athorian Jedi, who uh, just looks... She She's definitely not doing so well in captivity. She is huddled in the, the back corner. You can see that her, her clothes, those kind of homespun, homewoven clothes that she uh, had from the planet, are just hanging off of her at this point. She was never a beefy Athorian, but she's definitely lost weight in the the last week, a a disturbing and alarming amount. And she doesn't look up when you approach. And you said she can sense emotions. That was one of her things. Yes. She probably senses, I'm not even going to have you roll to see if I can hide it because I'm not that powerful. A glimmer of pity. Just, she reminds me too much of my past of seeing people too thin to work. Before I push that all down and bury it with annoyance. You sent out a message during your dirge, didn't you? She very, very slowly lifts her head just enough for one eye to look at you. It is swollen, almost shut. And you see a couple of of gashes that have begun to scab over on her face. What? Does it matter to you how I mourn? You mourned, but you sent out a message through the force to warn your rebel friends that you were captured, allowing them to escape and embarrassing me for letting you continue your mourning. It is not a good look for me. The very, very weak, trembling smile uh, appears on her face. Oh, young one, still so concerned with your own perception of yourself. I am only concerned with bringing order to an unorganized galaxy. I'm going to take a breath. You also lied to me. I asked you if you have had any contact with Jedi and you said no, but you have You've spoken with a Jedi Knight known as Jalarkita. I have not spoken to Knight Kita. But you know of him? He's visited? 
He has not visited. That, they told me that you gave them the name Kita. I gave them the name as it is someone that I have heard others speak of. And what have they said? That he is still alive. I growl and I turn around. And she definitely feels absolute contempt for that name. Like, she knows that this is just not like, oh, it's a Jedi, I hate him. It is, this is a personal vendetta. It seems you do care for something other than simply bringing order. I want to put that monster away so he does not take any more children and sell them into servitude for ships and food and rations and an escape. He is a dangerous man, and he needs to be brought to justice. Can justice be found when there is such anger burning within you? I kind of just roll my eyes, but I have to give her the point for, for that line. And I just shake my head. Imperial justice is impartial. I assure you, I will bring him in and he will find his punishment to fit his crime. Selling human children into slavery is a tenant that the Empire does not allow. Regardless of what sector you're in, your friend, your acquaintance is the monster. He's the blight. I have seen blight before. It is something that all jungles must deal with at some point. And it is true sometimes in order to stop the blight, one must destroy otherwise healthy plants. You must create a barrier between the blight and the healthy plants in order to quarantine the blight. What the hell are you talking about? You're lucky at... You just think. You just think long and hard about sharing whatever other details you have with the interrogators. I say as I look down the hall and I see the actual interrogators <laughs> moving towards this way. And I, and I point towards her. Or I might just visit your jungle and burn it to the ground. And dun, dun, dun. <laughs> as I walk away, my... Oh, I don't have my cloak. I'm, wearing, I'm in my Corellian <laughs> garb. So, wow, I really must have uh, really succeeded on that uh, the role with the guards. I have my cloak on. I have the cloak. So, <laughs> boom, I'll throw on my, uh, I'll take it off in the car. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Fandible Solo Shot, Star Wars, Force and Destiny. Please follow Fandible on Twitter and Facebook and share this episode on social media. You can also leave a review for Fandible on iTunes or your podcatcher of choice to help others find us and enjoy games like this one. You can also be found on Patreon if you wish to make a monthly donation that helps us keep our equipment up to date and travel to gaming conventions to meet listeners like you. But most importantly, always remember, may the Force be with you.